Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout and he blasts one. Way back! It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Alex Jensen. Friday, September 20th. Welcome into A's Cast Live. A's Starting a three-game series with the Rangers here today. Batting practice about to start. The soccer ball being kicked around. And my name is Alex Jensen. We are live from Ricky Henderson Field. How about this? The final regular season show from this spot in 2019. It really goes by fast. It has. This has been a, this has been a it feels like a very long but short run. But, I mean, Tommy and I did the final show up in here on Wednesday. Did the show yesterday from the remote studios and now we're back here today the undisclosed location yeah that's uh, was it you that built it as the chicken pie shop of walnut creek radio <laughs> studios i believe that's uh what you've built it as so you can take all the uh credit for that one that voice you hear is of course commander cody cody elias producer extraordinaire the face the, the, yeah. the rock stars here and again my name is alex jensen ben is alongside and uh yeah, listen, I mean, the, the regular season has gone by in the blink of an eye, it seems like. And part of that is probably because the A's have been playing some really good baseball late. They're winners of eight of their last nine. They just took two out of three from the Kansas City Royals. Since May 16th, since May 16th, the A's are 73-36. and 36. 73-36 and 36 since May 16th. And that game on May 16th, by the way, uh, began an 11-game winning streak for the A's through Detroit and Cleveland. And I'm missing a city. I think Seattle was in there as well before the A's came back home here to, to conclude that 11-game 11 11-game 11 winning streak. But three against the Rangers this weekend, and this this is a great time of year. I mean, every game is so important. You had Bob Melvin after the game the other day you know, admitting, and this is a guy that's kind of been dodging questions about scoreboard watching for a month plus now. 
But he was even admitting that there's nine games to go. The A's are two games up right now on Tampa Bay and Cleveland, and we'll get into what those two clubs are doing today shortly. But even he's scoreboard watching now. This is a really fun time of year. The A's magic number is currently eight. They've got three against the Rangers to finish the uh, – this, this, this is a big-time weekend here at the Coliseum as well. Three against the Rangers here at the Coliseum, then going on the road for two against the Angels and four against the Mariners. That schedule, I mean, you look at that schedule right now, and I know it doesn't matter who you're playing right now. It's the game of baseball. Anything can happen on any given day. But you look at that schedule, and I think it stacks up favorably to the Indians, who right now have the Phillies and the Red – and the uh, pardon me, the, the Rays – right now have the first of a four-game series against the Red Sox in Tampa. But, of course, you got to play the games. And a big weekend here this weekend. Of course, Mike Fires bobblehead day is today. Tomorrow night, the evolution of pop fireworks. Tomorrow, boy band. Boy band. Boy band. That's what the music is. It's is it really? Band. Yeah, it's going to be boy band music. What are we starting with? I want it that way. There you go. I want that <laughs> Backstreet Boys, as Ben is yelling out. And then Sunday, you got the Ramon Laureano bobblehead. Yes, the laser. And, and actually with audio, with audio. Ramon will be joining us on the show. Uh, we've also got the Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Rangers. Pardon me, Eric Nadell. He's going to stop by. Matt Pearl will stop by as well. The professor. It's a big the book. professor. I mean, I had to go with a lot of hoops to get him on. Or as, as some would call him, the man behind A's cast. It's true. Uh, and also... Ben Ross of NBC Sports California will join us as well. So the A's coming off of two of three against the Royals. Of course, the heartbreaker on Monday, the blown save in the ninth inning. And the A's, I mean, I, I know Townie's kind of pounded this to death, but the A's do lead the league in blown saves. But what's so impressive about this club is they really do play every day like it's a new day. I mean, they came out here, offense wasn't doing a whole lot on Tuesday night, and still found a way to win a game. Two to one. They were being, I mean, they were being shut out by Jorge Lopez through six innings. His stuff looked good. I'll be honest with you. His stuff looked pretty good. But Matt Olson hits a mammoth home run that kind of energized everybody a little bit. And Seth Brown, who, I mean, I, how important has he been to this team? Not only the production he's given them, but another left-handed bat in the lineup that it, that is capable of some production. He lines a double out to right center field. The A's bullpen holds it down. And then they did it again on Wednesday in the day game, a 1-0 win in 11 innings. And the A's bullpen between those two days, you know, we just we just mentioned the, all the blown saves, right? The A's bullpen over those last two days, eight combined shutout innings against the Royals. So you certainly hope a sign of things to come. I thought Joaquin Soria looked very crisp on Monday night as well as Tuesday night. Uh, J.B. Wendelkin, Yusmero Petit. Uh, this is a group that's been a little bit maligned over uh, really the course of the season. But now maybe they're starting to put their best foot forward at the right time. And uh, the A's right now, again, a two-game lead over the, the Indians and, and the Rays for the American League wild card. So what are those two teams doing today? Well, as I mentioned, the Indians at 90 and 63 are hosting the Philadelphia Phillies this weekend. And the Phillies are not out of it yet. Another, what, four games back in the wild card? They have like a 0.7% chance of making the playoffs according to uh, Fangraph. But they're not eliminated yet. They're not. However, they do have Drew Smiley, who was DFA'd by the team the A's are playing today, the Texas Rangers. He's going for the Phillies today at Progressive Field. And Shane Bieber, who's, of course, 14-7 and seven with a, a, an ERA less than 3-3, he's going for the end of 245 strikeouts for Bieber this year. 
Well, everyone thought when they traded Bauer, it's like, oh, well, they're, they're throwing in the white flag. And it's like, yeah. n- or raising the white flag. No, I mean, Bieber's been great. Clevenger's been great since he came back from injury. You know, they've had some guy, you know, Carrasco's back from the um, the, the cancer scare, so yep. that's great for that. And Kluber's still not back. Yeah, that's the one that's, you know, if he, they get him back healthy, that's yep. that's going to be scary for a lot of teams. Well, I mean, they won 18-1 versus the Tigers. Think <laughs> about that. Well, that kind of uh, kind of calls into memory a few years ago when the A's, I can't remember what their record was against the Astros, when the Astros wore the last rows yeah. and they were kind of tanking. And we'll actually get into a se- later on on the show, uh, there was an article written on ESPN.com by Dave Schoenfeld about how the A- Dave, David Schoenfeld, pardon me, about how the A's have done what they've done. I mean, you're talking about three different kind of blocks of, of contending, 2003, you know, back five or six years ago, 2014, or 2012 to 2014, and right now when the A's appear destined to, well, knock on wood, the A's are contending again, at least we should say. Uh, even if they don't make the playoffs this year, the A's are contending again. Contender. They've done, thank you, thank you, Ben. Uh, and they've done that without completely tanking, as teams like the Cubs and the Astros have. And we'll get it, we'll dive a little bit further into that as the show unfolds here. Tampa Bay, meanwhile, they are 90 and 63. And we mentioned that the Indians have Bieber going. Well, the Rays have Charlie Morton going, who's going to be right up there in the Cy Young conversation. He is 15 and 6. He's got a 3 1 6 year. You want to talk about a steal, by the way, in free agency? I mean, people overlook Charlie Morton. I know he's a little bit older. I know he's had some arm problems, but he's another guy. You know, where would the Rays be without Charlie Morton? Um, he's a guy I know very well from I when the Pirates got him from the, in the Nate McLeod trade like nine years ago. <laughs> he was like a highly touted guy with the Braves, and I was really excited to see him come over, but he never could figure it out, and they changed up his arm motion. And they had him throw the two-seamer a little more in the sink, and he, he started turning around. Then he went to Houston. And what they, Brent Strom and A.J. Hinch and Jeff, Jeffrey Luno did down there with him turned him around, and he signs that – was it like two years, thirty million with with Tampa Bay? So he's making like fifteen million a year, and he's having a great year. He's he's kind of fizzled off a little bit towards the end, but the guy strikes out more people with his curveball than anybody in baseball. He's not the only guy that that the Houston Astros have kind of made done a reclamation project on. Wade Miley uh, was one, but he kind of he's been he's falling, fizzled falling off out a little, a little bit, bit. But they've also taken Garrett Cole from being <laughs> you know an All Star starter to a you know a Cy Young type of guy. What's up, Ace Cast Live? Troy. Troy Smith in the building, A's marketing. Troy, how are you? Say hi. <laughs> yes, we are. That's the that's the best part of doing streaming radio. It doesn't anyone can show up. That's true. <laughs> Rick Porcello, by the way, goes for the uh, Red Sox. That's that's part of the beauty of being down here. By the way, on Ricky at Ricky Anderson Field, you never know who's going to come by unannounced. Troy Smith making his way. He's We're getting Troy headset. Yeah, why not? Troy Smith, hey. big, big weekend here. Big weekend. Fan appreciation weekend. Fan appreciation weekend. You got the Mike Fires bobblehead. Is there any way we could go back on the Mike Fires bobblehead, by the way, and give him the monkey tail uh, oh, beard? I'd <laughs> love it. I'd love it. If only it didn't take, you know, nine months or whatever it takes to make these <laughs> yeah. things. But Is that how long it takes? I mean, you have well, to. Well, this one got accelerated, sure. obviously, because it was like. You only did it, what, what? four months ago? Yeah, Five months May, ago? May, yeah. Yeah, so this one really put the put the heat on the manufacturer to get it done. But, yeah, a lot of times about eight or nine months. So we get the Ramon Laureano uh, bobblehead on Sunday. Does it take a little bit, I mean, what kind of extra, uh, you know, bells and whistles or what kind of extra process do you have to go through to get the voice in there, like with Dallas Braden? Oh, that was great. <laughs> well, so – Dallas really coined that phrase, laser Ramon and that whole thing. So we really wanted to make sure he, he got on there. And, it, you know, to, for the most part, we, you know, we peeled the audio from his broadcast when he first did it. 
And it's just a matter of uh, incorporating it in. It's a little sound chip, costs a little extra money, but it's totally worth it. Well, what's been your favorite promotion this year? Whew. Favorite promotion this year? Oh, it has to be the Unicorn Fanny Pack. Oh yeah, that was that was epic. Yeah, that was that was probably. I mean, that was yeah. my favorite one all year. Yeah, that was really good, man. You know, I to tell you the truth, and it's not it's not a giveaway, but I loved the Pixar fireworks night. Yeah, that was really awesome because we had the filmmakers here, and they've been great partners, and and just being able to tell that story of the you know Toy Story over the years, and oh, it was just a great night. Well, the, the rally candle too. Oh, rally candle! That was the quirkiest one. Yeah, that was yeah. I guess that would be my favorite, just because I love all the weird giveaways. <laughs> um, yeah, and that one was. Uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully we're gonna host a wild card game, and everyone's gonna be using those rally candles oh, at just the right great. time. It'd be like the new Thunderstick, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now you got to come up with the A's version of the Rally Monkey, maybe, and then you could recreate uh, the Angel of O too. Isn't it the Rally Possum? Is that, is oh, that's that, true. It's yeah. the Rally well, Possum. The Rally yeah. Possum is on the rally candle. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Yeah, there's a little rally possum on the candle. It's amazing. I sat through that meeting where we talked about that, and I guess I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> it's these little details. You got to pay attention. Is there one over the years that stuck out to you? Um, I love the Coco Lean yeah. bobble we did yep. where he's he's doing the Coco Lean. His torso is bobbling, not his head, and love that one. Um, well, you talk about the Unicorn Fanny Pack. That was inspired by the Unicorn Backpack that mm -hmm. we did. It was uh, like five, five years, years ago. ago right? yeah. yeah, and everyone said we were crazy. They said, no, like maybe some girls will like it or whatever. But at the gates at that game, grown men were in tears because they were trying to get this backpack. I mean, this thing is, it's still sought after. Hi, I've good. seen a few at the Coliseum this yeah. year. Oh, yeah. So was that idea, was that idea born out of the, uh, the rookie relievers that have yes. to take the backpack full of goodies down to the bullpen? Exactly. I always thought that was one of the funny quirks. Well, remember, that was a Despicable Me unicorn. Do you remember yes. that? It yes, was like a I plush do. one. We went yeah. to... Um, DreamWorks and tried to get the rights to actually duplicate that and everything, and they just were like, "We no, we're not doing that." <laughs> <laughs> so we had to make up our own. We made up our own. Hey, what's been the reaction of, of fans in your experience to all the new areas here in the ballpark, the treehouse, the mm -hmm. stomping ground, all the new seating areas here? Uh, what have you heard? What kind of feedback have you heard from some of the fans? Well, as I've traveled around, I mean, people come up to me and say how comfortable it is to be able to. You know, when you want to watch baseball, you don't always want to sit in a seat and just be in one place and all the time. And so they, it's, it's this, everyone like kind of has this wanderlust, right? They're moving around the stadium. They're seeing the ball feel from a different perspective. Sometimes they're with their friends in the treehouse, just hanging out, having a beer. Sometimes they have their kids up and stomping around. It's just, it's called flexibility. And I think that's the future is that baseball is going to be consumed the way fans want to consume it and not the way the teams tell them to. So that's what access is all about. You can come when you want. You can go where you want. You know, it's really up to you how you decide to watch the game. And that's the future because baseball is every single day. And I don't know, when you guys go out at night, do you have a strict schedule? I'm going to be at this <laughs> bar from this time and I'm going to sit in this. No, you, you kind of, you, 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 you wing it, right? You're just, you come there, you have a drink at this bar, you're going to have dinner at but you don't necessarily have time, and you're you're cruising around. You just do what works. So hey, that's what it's about. I'm glad you brought up A's access. I, I want to know how that I like how that idea was really formulated. I mean, that's that's a groundbreaking philosophy. When 
you know, every sports franchise has been going after season tickets and single games. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's, like you said, that's a way for the fans to enjoy when and how they want to enjoy it. Yeah, well, Chris Giles gets the credit for that. It was his brainchild. He, he, he gave me a white paper, I want to say, over a year ago. No, it was like a year and a half ago. It was a while. He's like, you know, Troy, I have this idea. You know, read this sort of synopsis of this idea about a new way of ticketing. And I read it, and I, I thought, well, this is just perfect because it just makes so much sense for the way real people want to consume entertainment. They want to do it when they want to do it, and they want to do it whatever how it makes them comfortable, right? So, um, and then you throw in the discounts on concessions, and I mean, it's ridiculous. Forget deal. it. Yeah, I'm. I work here. I have access. I go up to the concession stand to buy, and it still floors me. I mean, I when they knock off all that money, I'm like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. And I work here. I can only imagine, like, for fans and stuff, well, it's probably really cool. I mean, when you when you hear, uh, you know, baseball, you know, before I worked here, it was, you know, well, it costs, you know, $35 to get mm -hmm. a beer and a hot dog, uh, not necessarily here, but at other parks as well. And that's, I mean, that that pays for itself right yeah. there. I mean, it's it's amazing what you guys have done. Yeah. Well, and just think about it this year, too, because I know we're going to get a home playoff game. I just feel it. You get all those ask it, as access benefits apply in the postseason. There isn't another team in baseball that's doing that. No way. No way. And the atmosphere in this building during playoff time, I mean, electric. Well, and that's the thing. That's why it's so important to get that home field, because as we saw in 2012, 2013, this crowd, Oakland crowd, can absolutely influence the outcome of the yep. game. Without a doubt. Just like we saw last year at Yankee Stadium, that crowd was crazy. The Oakland crowd is crazier. We heard it from the Detroit Tigers when they were here in 2012 and 2013. They were just like, oh, this is the hardest crowd we've ever played in front of. It gets loud in here, man. Yeah, it gets loud. So, Troy Smith. Yep. Thanks for stopping. Thank you, guys. How, uh, how excited are you to see Big Mac back here tomorrow? Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> going to be great. I'm, I'm really excited about tomorrow. The Hall of Fame inductions for that class. And, you know, I'm a sucker for uh, redemption stories. And, you know, Mark McGuire's been back with other teams, you know, visiting teams as a hitting coach or some other capacity. But he's never come back. He hasn't come back since he left in the 90s as an A, yeah. right? And this will be the first time. He's coming back. He's getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be an Oakland A. And I think it's going to be a real special We event. had him on. We had him on Ace Cats Live uh, like last week, I think, or like a week and a half ago. And Townie asked him about saving baseball, and he said he still has people come up to him today thanking him for that home run race with Sammy oh, yeah. where they saved baseball. And, he, and he's like, it's like the proudest thing I've ever done. And yep. Um, I'm excited to see him back here because he's going to with Tony, and him and Tony Larusa are really close. So yes, they are. And they Tony, we had Tony on yesterday, and he talked about that. So it'll be it'll be really cool to see them here with with Campy and and everyone else. Well, so. I want to encourage fans too um, to get here early. Um, it's all a, weekend, right? Yeah, all weekend, yeah. and especially tomorrow. It's a six o'clock game because it's a fireworks show. But the pregame festivities are going to start about five thirty. So just to be in your seats early because you really don't want to miss it. And and there's going to be a moment, well, I guess I can give it away. Like the 2018 class, the original Hall of Fame class, is going to be presenting the jackets to the 2019 class. And that moment is going to be really cool. That's a lot of star power on one. Field. Yeah. 
That's a lot of star power. That's, uh, I mean, it's a little bit like the Masters. Do, don't they do something similar at the Football Hall of Fame as well? Yeah. Well, the Masters, the, ch the champion from the, the year before. The champion from the year before. The green jacket, yeah. 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 Is that kind of how that uh, idea was, was born about? Well, I, I, I wish I was smart enough to, but it was, <laughs> to tell you, it was more about, like, how can we create the most emotion, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, how can we create the most memorable moment? And you're thinking not only visually, because these things all get captured, right? photography and on video and all that you think about that but also just for the fans when they see it live like what's that moment where you know ricky's handing it to i forget who he's handing it to but i won't i won't give that away but well you think Stu's about handing it to somebody some of those moments where you guys have brought a lot of you know a lot of those guys back i think about the 89 reunion earlier mm -hmm. this year when mm -hmm. all the guys are walking in from center field mm -hmm. you've got the music playing i mean for me someone who grew up in oakland and you know probably a little too young to watch that team but I mean, that's kind of, I mean, it really kind of invokes a sense of nostalgia a little bit, doesn't well, it? Well, and it means a lot to the players. Yeah. I will tell you a little behind-the-scenes story that a lot of fans probably don't know. But when we do these reunions, these guys are really nervous right before they get introduced. Like, they're nervous, I think, because there's so many people. They haven't been here. They don't know how they're going to be received, which I, to me is crazy because they're beloved. But when we had the, I think it was the 89 team, some of those guys had tears in their eyes. I mean, this is, it's emotional for the fans, but it's also emotional for these guys when they come back. So just so the fans realize that the, the impact and the, I don't know, just the positive, warm welcome they give these guys really impacts them as well. Well, I think fans forget that the players are humans too. <laughs> they're not, they're <laughs> not robots like everyone thinks. Like they have emotions too, yeah. so. Yeah, and it's really special, and, yeah, that's not, not to be lost. So, by the way, uh, we have Matt Pearl coming on later. Yep. Uh, is there anything we should ask Matt Pearl about? It's his first appearance on Ace Cast Live. So. Oh, yeah. We'll ask him. Yeah, well, oh, man. You know, Matt's kind of this dual role. So he – we came in and we built out this performance marketing kind of thing, and so Matt's got this real analytical side to him and numbers side to him. And yet he's got this incredible broadcasting background. Um, ask him how he how he marries those two sides of his personality. It's like how did because he's got to do both these jobs yeah. kind of all the time, and they're so different. Dealing yep. with talent on the broadcast and then numbers and 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 multiple campaigns and digital world. So yeah, we we built him as the mastermind behind Ace Cast Live. <laughs> we did, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair to say for as, sure. As Tommy's the face of Ace Cast. Pearl's the mastermind behind yeah, it, so. Yeah. And Fosse's the face, the face, face of the franchise. The franchise. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. And he's the face of A's All Night. <laughs> so we have a lot of faces on Face, this. Face, voice, <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah, Ken's the voice of Summer, so that'll uh, we got that's going to be a good thing, uh, thing tomorrow, too, for Ken, him going in the barrier. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Sports Radio Hall of Fame. Well, I have to thank you guys for a great first season of A's Cast Live. You just have killed it. And I know just the feedback we've gotten from the fans has been amazing. And we've never had this kind of content before. And just how hard you guys work to pull in all of this. I mean, these just like fascinating guests every day. And it's it's great. It's really great. The, you know, everyone, you, Pearl, everyone's given, given Tony and I and Alex and, and Joey the opportunity to bring in the, the best, yeah. con put out the best content out there. So. I'm very appreciative, and I can't say thank you enough. And we'll continue to keep doing this from now through the postseason, offseason, 
into next year, and we'll, we'll keep finding those unique guests that Tony and I like to bring on. Yeah, that's good. And we'll, you know, we'll keep trying to make it fresh, too. I mean, that's 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 a big part of it as well, yep. right? No, I mean, that's true. Yeah, don't become redundant. That's <laughs> kind of what happens in sports talk radio. So Doesn't it feel this time of year, it's kind of like you're getting to the last day of school, and you're kind of like, hey, have a great summer. Don't ever change. You know, like, like, I don't know. For <laughs> yeah. me, this, as the season comes to a close it's like kind of like the end of the school year well it's different for me now because like once baseball is over i used to when baseball ended it transitions right into football yeah and then you have basketball because mm -hmm. doing sports talk now it's just like i'm doing baseball year round <laughs> so it's like I'm, i feel if like in a perfect like harmony like i'm i feel i'm right where i should be and you're it's, in a zen moment yeah it's perfect for me i'm i'm, I'm glad i don't have to worry about what the Niners and Raiders are doing every night, every night, how, how many, you know, how many points of Warriors won by the night before? Like, yeah, yeah. so much better just worrying about one thing at one time. Well, this is just the beginning, too. I mean, this is this is like to your point, Troy. This is season number one. Yeah. You know, we, I think we've got a, a really good creative team here. I mean, I'm 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 excited to see where this goes. Well, and, and think about the team itself. Yeah. I mean, so I I give a little history presentation to new employees when they come in. I bet I don't know how I got that role, but I did. <laughs> And so yesterday I gave one to some new folks in ticketing and I reminded them that they're a part of the long legacy of history and they're making history right now. Like Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, the stuff they're doing right now, people are going to be talking about for generations to come. We just don't know what the end of the story is yet, but it's it. We're in the middle of making this story and everybody's a part of it. The fans are a part of it. We're a part of it. And as we talk about, the Moneyball A's, the streak team in 2002, or we're talking about the swinging A's of the 70s or the Bash Brothers. We've been talking about them now for 30, 40 years. They're going to be talking about the 2019 A's. This era, this kind of cool era that's just beginning, we're going to be talking about that for generations to come. So we all have to enjoy it, embrace it, the ups, the downs, and understand that we're all going to be a part of this history. Um, it's a really special time. It really is. I said on the post game show, you know, I can't wait. Like right now, I can't wait to come to work and see what happens here right now. <laughs> it's right? A great I mean, time it's, of year. it sure is. I, you said it the best, though. I mean, we're kind of we're in the middle of witnessing history right now, mm -hmm. and th the most exciting part is, is that the end is still yet to be determined. Yes, and plenty of good times ahead yes. for Ace fans. Yeah, and all of us like. And it's it's the future so bright. You got to mm -hmm. wear shades. Sure is. Yeah. <laughs> good thing we're all wearing shades. It's a good song included. Yeah. It's warm down here. It's <laughs> well, be a in a, beautiful in a, night. In about 40 minutes, the sun will go down and it'll be cold here. So. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the right. I think I got area. my sweatshirt. Troy Thank Smith, you. Thank I appreciate you. Guys. you. That's, that's part of the beauty of being here on the field. You never know who's going to stop by. We've got an extra headset here just for this exact reason. So I literally just wanted to come down and say hi to you guys and say thank you. And, and thank you for having me on. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Anytime. All right. Troy Smith, A's Marketing. Appreciate the time, Troy. All right, what, uh, are we going to keep rolling on here? Should we break? Uh, whatever you want to do. We, it's let's, your uh, show, your show. Let's break. Let's break. We'll come back. We've got a little contender or pretender here that we're going to get into. That's coming up next right here on Ace Cast Live. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Alex Jensen. Back on Ricky Henderson Field, this is A's Cast Live. The A's right now are taking batting practice before uh, the start of a three-game series with the Rangers. A little scoreboard watching here. In Cleveland, a little bit of bad news. The Indians ahead of the Phillies, 2 to nothing right now in the bottom of the first. Still nobody out. And you kind of hate to say, maybe a, a, something we kind of expected with Drew Smiley on the mound and his uh, ERA over six 
for the Phillies. In Tampa Bay right now, it's a scoreless game between the Red Sox and the Rays, top of the second. Nobody out, and the Red Sox have a runner on first base for Andrew Benintendi. Fun time of year right now. There's nine games left. The A's have a, a magic number of eight, uh, but really all over the place. There are five teams in the National League still in contention for the wild card. And the American League, obviously, the A's, the Rays, and the Indians. So, Cody, I think we're going to play a little uh, a little contender or pretender. Is that right? Contender. That's true. It's <laughs> so, Pretender. There you go. So the Nationals right now, Alex, are currently 83 and 68. They have a fan graph playoff odds of 93.7% of making the playoffs. Now, we've seen Steven Strasburg pitch very well. Max Scherzer struggle. Juan Soto looks like uh, the next great thing in making Bryce Harper look like an afterthought. Are the Washington Nationals a contender or pretender? Now, just to be clear, we're talking about contender in the sense of making the playoffs making the or playoffs. making a run in, in making, the playoffs. Just making it into the playoffs. Making, well, they're, they're a contender. They're, they're a game up contender. on the Brewers. <laughs> Thank you. A game up on Brewers, on the Brewers. Two and a half games into a playoff spot right now ahead of the Cubs. There's nine games to play. Uh, listen, they've their pitching staff is probably tops on this list, right? When you t- think about their starting staff, yeah. I know Scherzer hasn't been the same you since got he came Scherzer, back. You have Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Corbin, uh, and Bullpen's Sanchez. Pitch for, yeah, they have the worst, second worst bullpen, and when it comes to blown saves behind the A's. But Anthony Rendon's a legitimate MVP candidate. Once, like you said, Juan Soto, their run differential is tied for the best on this list of these five teams. So uh, I think a contender without a doubt. Okay, so the contender. Next, <laughs> there it is. So the next team on the list is the Milwaukee Brewers, who made the playoffs last year, got snuck in on that. They played that that playing game to win the NL Central, and they wanted to lose in game seven of the NLCS, which was an incredible series against the Dodgers. The Brewers right now without potential back-to-back MVP Christian Yelich are 83-70 and 70 and have a fan grass playoff odds of 68.7%. Now their pitching staff has been not that great, but although Jordan Lau, since the trade from when he came over from Pittsburgh, has pitched very well for them. Are the Milwaukee Brewers a contender or a pretender? The Milwaukee Brewers are a pretender. Pretender. Of all the teams, Cody, 500 or better in the National League, the Brewers are only one of two with a negative run differential. And it's the highest negative run differential, or the lowest run differential, I should say, among all teams above 500 in the National League. They're minus 21 for the season. You mentioned the holes in their pitching staff. They don't have Christian Yelich. They're a pretender. Pretender. Uh, I'm going to do this to you real quick. Buying or selling, they will get over that m- minus run difference on this weekend when they play the Pirates. Selling. Minus 21, three <laughs> games? The Pirates gave up like 48 runs to the Cubs last weekend. Do the Pirates have a bullpen anymore? They don't have anything. <laughs> the, they might just not – I might not even talk about them anymore with everything that's going on there. Okay, the Chicago Cubs. I'm, I'm trying to check to see if they – because they played earlier against the uh, – they did lose. So the Cubs are now 82-72. and 72. And, uh, well, lost to Wrigley, too. Yeah, they've the been really good at Wrigley. Cardinals, it's a big series of them. They've lost the first two games. They now have a 29.9% chance of making the playoffs. Joe Madden could be out. Anthony Rizzo is supposed to be out for the season. Came back yesterday oh, using the Undertaker's one. music. Hit the home run. Everyone goes crazy. And then Craig Kimball blows, uh, blows it in the 10th inning. Are the Chicago Cubs a contender or a pretender? Well, let's take a look at the Cubs' remaining schedule because, I mean – well, as you mentioned, they've lost four in a row, okay? Two against the Reds, two against the Cardinals, all coming at Wrigley Field, by the way. Uh, but their schedule upcoming for the Cubs, let's see, they go, well, they're on the road for six in a row. I'm still going to call them a contender. They're just contender. getting healthy. Thank you. 
they're just getting healthy. Uh, the, the only thing, this is the thing with the National League. I mean, one of these teams is going to make the playoffs, and I, I think it's going to be the Cubs. Now, one thing that contradicts my argument here is they're 31 and 44 away from Wrigley Field. Uh, awful, but they're very good at home. And their last six are away from Wrigley Field, but they are very good at home. Uh, their last six, though, are against the Pirates, who you just mentioned, Cody. And their last three, as I'm looking here, anyway, you've got the pitching staff. You Darvish is starting to pitch very well. Oh, he was incredibly good against Sonny Gray. Right. John Lester, you know, has got the playoff pedigree. I know he hasn't been great. Their lineup's just getting healthy. They just got Rizzo back, as you mentioned. Javi Baez is, uh, out. is out, but he wasn't. Well, okay, that, that flies in the face <laughs> of my <laughs> argument as well. Uh, but they're, they're just getting starting to get a little bit healthier. I know Addison Russell's out as well. Nico Horner's played pretty well. The Oakland yes. native, by the way, has uh, played well. Kyle Schwarber has played very well. Kyle Schwarber. So they've got the talent. They're at Pittsburgh, at St. Louis uh, to end the year. St. Louis may just be resting some guys in that final series. I'll say the Cubs are, are a contender. I think they're Contender. Okay, so that leaves uh, Tommy and I's favorite National League team, the New York Mets, who are 79-73 and 73 on the season, and they have a 6.4% chance of making the playoffs. Now, Jacob DeGrom pitches tonight. I have a buying or selling question about him. I'm not going to get into his stats right now, but he pitches against the Reds. And that series against the Reds, you're going to see Ingenio, or, um, Ingenio Suarez and Pete Alonso go against each other, the two home run leaders in the NL. Are the New York Mets and Mickey Calloway a contender? Or a pretender? I'm torn on the Mets because I would love to say that to me, I think the net the the Nets the Mets have <laughs> have one of the have of the of the teams on this list. I think the Mets have the best shot to make a deep run in the postseason. Well, they have the pitching stuff because of the pitching exactly. And if they're bull, you know, I mean, they're they they've they've also got the most mojo of any team on this list. That being said. I mean, things are going to have to break exactly right for them to just get into the dance. They're three and a half games out of a playoff spot right now. I love this song, by the way. So great. I would love an A's song like this, you know, just one from like the, the 40s or the 50s. Kind of like how the Cubs have Go Cubs Go. Go Cubs Go. I mean, you know. Those anyway. Are, those are the two I can really think of. I digress. I, I'm going to I'm gonna say the Mets are a contender. Despite being contender. three and a half games back, I think it's going to be either them or the Cubs. I give the edge to the Cubs because they've got two games in hand on the Mets right now. But the Mets have the pieces, Cody. The Mets have the pieces, and they've got the mojo to be that kind of Cinderella team in the playoffs that comes out of nowhere. And before you know it, then they're in the NLCS. Yeah, and they still have Pete Alonzo, who's pretty good. Yeah. Although, I don't know if you saw the MLB.com article by Jim Callis the other day. He ranked him as their ranking best future potential going forward of all the rookies this year. They had him in number eight. By new. He has 49 home runs. How yeah. he's... Like, he has more home runs than Vlad. I mean, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be great. And Tatis Jr. is going to be great. And Eloy Jimenez is going to be good. And my guy, Jordan Alvarez, is going to be incredible. But Pete Alonso, hey, come on. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous, right, So there's right? one. There's contender. One, so yeah, he is a contender for greatest home run hitter ever. Last one, Phillies. The, the, I'm not even going to go through it. They're done. Pretender? They're a pretender. Pretender. Four games back, nine to play. Um, they just, I mean, they haven't put it, been able to put it together really all season. I, I stand by my statement that I would not give Bryce Harper $300, $300 million, over $300 million. They've been one of the biggest disappointments in baseball this year. I think they're the biggest disappointment. Gabe Kapler could be out of a job next year. Charlie, I've been saying this for a month. Charlie Manuel's taking that job back. I think they could, I can see them. I mean, I can see them hiring. Their pitching staff's not very good either. I mean, behind Aaron Nola, 
Jake Arrieta has been a disaster and yeah. since they signed him. I mean, they're, they're trying Drew Smiley out there with a the six-year. Yeah. When, they, when he was pitching Still for Still alive for a playoff spot, they're throwing Drew Smiley out there. Yeah, they, when they, he pitched for the Rangers, I forget there was a stat out there about him with home runs. He was giving up home runs at an incredible rate. Not like what I told you about the Orioles earlier where they've used 38 pitchers and 36 of them have given up at least one home run. But I, I think, yeah, the Phillies, are, they're done. So the Oakland A's come in today at 92 and 61. Playoff odds at 95.6%. Three-game series against the Rangers, two against the Angels, and four against the Mariners. Are the A's a contender or a pretender? There's no doubt in my mind. Hit it. Contender. Yes. The right. A's are a contender. The A's are – okay, I, I'm, I'm going to stay away from making a proclamation here, but the A's have the road laid out for them to make the playoffs, okay? They don't have one game against a team that's above 500 right now. They're taking on the Rangers. They're taking on the Angels. They're taking on the Mariners. These are all teams that are playing for next year. And not only that, they have the Rangers here at home for three. Without Gallo, without Pence. Without Gallo, without Pence. They're, they are going to face Mike Miner tonight, but they've been very good against Mike Miner and left-handed pitching, knock on wood. The A's have been hot. The A's have a starting pitching staff that is throwing the ball very well. We know about the offense. They're a contender without a doubt. And they, they're also a dark horse team. If they get the right now, of course you're a little scared about the Astros, right? And who wouldn't be? But if they match up against the Yankees, I actually like the way the A's match up against the Yankees. I, You know what? And the way they're playing right now, how they just went into Houston and took three out of four, there's no reason to be scared of the Astros right now either, assuming you make it to the wild card game and you win that game. That was the thing Tony and I were discussing. Would you rather face the Yankees or Astros in a five-game series? For me, I'd, it, I'd rather face the Yankees. Yeah, same. That's what we all said because no, – you know, Domingo Herman's going to be out now too. Yeah, well, he's out for he's up for the rest of the season. He's not even going to pitch in the postseason. You did get Luis Severino back, so that's good for them. But Well, you uh, get – Get one, lose one. I mean, I don't know. I contender without a doubt. So the Tampa Bay Rays are 19-63, and they play off odds of 54.9%. Contender or pretender? These next two are going to be tough. Um, I think it's going to come down to the schedule and who the Rays have scheduled to pitch. Now, Morton will go once more after today at the Blue Jays. So you got the Red Sox for four, the Yankees for two at home, and then at the Blue Jays. I'm going to say contender. Contender. Uh, the Indians, and we, I guess we can kind of fold the Indians into here as well because it's well, yeah, both kind of related to each other. I would right? say they have the same record. They're 1963, and they play off odds of 49.6%. But since 1995, five teams have missed the playoffs with 90 wins. The most recent was the Indians in 2005 when they won 93 games. Contender or pretender? The Indians. The pretender. Indians. Pretender. Pretender. They get the Phillies for three at home this week. Uh, they get... They're, then they're at the White Sox. Then they're at the Nationals, who could very well have some, you know, have will probably have something to play for in that last weekend. On the road, final two series. On the other side, the Rays get, you know, the Blue Jays for that final series after being at home against the uh, the Red Sox and uh, and the Yankees. So they get those two guys at home, and then they go on the road at the Blue Jays. I think I give the edge to the uh, to the Tampa Bay Rays right there. They have they have the talent. And they got the they got the, the schedule. I think they got everything locked up for them. Completely. And again, they get Morton throwing twice. The Indians are, are losing Kipnis. They don't have Kluber right now. No, so no Jose Ramirez. Oh, he's no taking batting practice. So we'll see. We'll see. All hands on deck now. Uh, this time of year, right? Yeah. All right, it's going to roll us right into our first guest. He is uh, Eric Nadell joining us here on A's Cast Live, Hall of Fame broadcaster, of course, with the Texas Rangers. Thanks for taking the time, Eric. I yeah, appreciate you coming down. Great to be here. All right, uh, well, listen, uh, uh, 
This is a very important. This, this has got to be a fun time. I think for everybody involved, when you have so many races, like what's going on, we just talked about what's going on in the National League. Of course, three teams for two spots uh, in the American League here. So I'll ask you, how do you see these two races kind of unfolding? And we'll start in the American League. Of course, you've seen these teams a little bit more. Of those three teams, the Indians, the Rays, and the A's, who do you kind of give the upper hand to? Who do you think is, is kind of fighting an uphill battle? Tampa Bay constantly defies expectations. Yeah. I'm not sure how they do it, but you look and see the way they've pitched this year, and they score enough runs to win, but their pitching is just phenomenal with a bunch of so-called no-names other than Charlie Morton. Uh, obviously, Kevin Cash is a really good manager, and they, they know how to run their pitching staff. You know, the Rangers have had enough trouble with the A's this year and have seen the A's enough times for us to feel, you know, that of those three teams, the A's are clearly the best team, especially right now. Uh, they're probably in better health uh, than those other two clubs. So, you know, I would imagine that they would be the favorites to come out of the wild card game. After that, um, to me, Houston is just a, a complete powerhouse. Yeah. Um, we saw the Yankees recently. They're awfully good. We didn't get to see them with Severino and Stanton. Maybe that changes things a little bit. But I just think that Houston, uh, top to bottom, has the best club. And their bullpen seems to be in order now. They've got three, even without Presley, they've got three guys at the back who are pitching really well. And, you know, they're, you know, to me, they're the best team. Of those, of those three teams that are, that are vying for the wild card, I think there's kind of a separate question as opposed to who's going to make that wild card game. Are there one of these three teams that are better suited for a deep run in the playoffs? It's a good question. Uh, you know, the A's bullpen, that scares me a little bit, especially now with trying and out, and he wasn't obviously all that effective even before that. Soria, you know, wasn't pitching last weekend when we were there. I don't know if he's back yet or not. But uh, the A's seem to be shorthanded in the bullpen, which does not really uh, put them in the driver's seat for the long haul. Uh, Tampa Bay seems to have a really deep pitching staff. Uh, Cleveland we haven't seen in a while, so uh, I don't really know exactly where they are right now on that. What do you make of the Twins? Where do the Twins fall into this whole picture? Honestly, I don't think they have enough pitching. Uh, they hit a million home runs. Teams that win that way don't necessarily go deep in the playoffs. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if they went really deep. Uh, they're not at their best in terms of pitching right now, clearly. So... It's been a nice season for them, but I'd be really surprised, you know, if they if they won a playoff series. That would it would surprise me. Eric Nadell, the Hall of Famer, of course, Rangers broadcaster, joining us here on A's Cat. What do you make of our set, Eric? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, anytime you're sitting on a big league field behind third base, yeah, what could be better than that? It's fantastic. Uh, listen, your your club, the Rangers, at 74 and 79, probably surprised a lot of people, especially coming out of the gates this season, with a week and a half left in the year. Uh, what do you make of this club, the direction that the club is heading in? What are they looking for out of this these last nine games? Well, they've got a lot of young guys who basically are auditioning for next year. You know, at the beginning of the year, if somebody had said the Rangers would be five games under 500 with nine games to go, everybody would have been very happy. But the way the Rangers got here by going eight games over and then stumbling to this point, I think has disappointed a lot of people in Texas. But Right now, the Rangers are basically auditioning a couple of starting pitchers, uh, Brock Burke, who will pitch tomorrow, and Colby Allard, who just pitched in Houston. Uh, they're auditioning Nick Solak and Danny Santana for a vacant third base position. Uh, they're waiting to see if Rugnet Odor 
can get hot again in the remaining nine days uh, to help decide whether he is the second baseman next year or whether perhaps Santana or Solak uh, gets a share of that job. Ronald Guzman, who spent some time in the minor leagues this year, is getting an opportunity to show that he should be the first baseman next season. And the bullpen is full of young guys who are auditioning for next year. And fortunately, uh, the Rangers are doing it against teams with winning records. So it's a better test than if the Rangers were playing against the Baltimores and Detroits and Kansas Cities of sure. the world down the stretch. The, uh, the schedule, which when we looked at it was, oh my goodness, these are all great teams. The Rangers are playing the last three weeks. Turns out to be fortuitous with the team and the position that it's in right now. Where It doesn't really matter how many games you win between now and the end. What matters is uh, what the young players look like against the better competition. You mentioned the hot start. And oh, so far, it's a seven-win improvement uh, over last year. Has there been a difference maybe in the energy or what have you under manager under manager Chris Woodward? Or maybe a better way to phrase that question would be, uh, what has he brought to the table that's that's really kind of helped shepherd this, this younger team? I think most important, Alex, what he brought was communication skills that basically caused the young players to buy in to using a lot of the analytic information that's out there, whether it's the information about their actual swing or the information about what sequencing the pitchers should be using or what batters should be looking for or where in the strike zone they need to not swing because they can't hit that. Woodward and his young staff was able to get that across uh, where it hadn't gotten across before. I don't know that the message is that much different but they were able to get it across. And keep in mind, before the Rangers lost Joey Gallo and Hunter Pence, they were top three in the league in runs scored. And those two injuries are crushing. Those were the two best players on the team. You're basically taking the number four and five batters out of the Ranger lineup, and they're still out. And, you know, I have no doubt that if either one of those guys had stayed healthy, the Rangers wouldn't be sitting five games under. They'd be right about 500 or even better. But Woodward and his staff did a great job, um, and I think they've maintained uh, a really good clubhouse atmosphere even when the team started faltering the second half of the season. You know, I think Woodward's there for the long haul, and uh, I think Rangers made a great choice. We hear so much around here about, you know, Bob Melvin's communication, how much the players appreciate that. Uh, You mentioned some similar traits with Chris Woodward. As a big league manager, do you think that that, I mean, where does that fall in the pecking order of important traits to have, important personality traits, being able to relate to your players, cultivating a good clubhouse environment? You know, just, in, I mean, instead of just X's and O's and writing a lineup, yeah. where does that kind of fall in, it, in the importance scale? It's, those are the, the two most important things are having your club in the right frame of mind to play, which in most cases is relaxed, and getting the players to buy in to the information that's being presented to them. Those two things are much more important than the, quote, X's and O's, the strategy decisions, which in a lot of cases you or I could make, who to bring in at a certain time and that sort of thing, making a lineup out. Those things really are secondary to getting the players to be in the right mental frame, whether it's for today's game or their approach to their hitting in general or their their pitching in general. You mentioned Hunter Pence and, and another guy is Lance Lynn, who's had a nice year. Two experienced veterans, uh, and not just having a manager that, that has those communication skills, right, Eric, but but having some veterans who have been through it before. Uh, and even when they're not healthy, as Hunter Pence isn't right now, what kind of value do they bring 
to a younger club, not just this year, but going forward. Yeah, well, Pence was really important because, you know, he overhauled his swing in the offseason. Uh, he hired a swing coach. He went to the Dominican Republic for six yeah. weeks. He showed up in spring training basically being washed up. The Giants gave him a retirement ceremony at the end of the season. That's he right. said, hey, guys, I'm not retiring. And so th our players saw what he was able to do incorporating the analytic information, and I think it went a long way toward convincing these young guys to do it. In the case of Lynn, who wasn't here last year, and also Mike Miner, who was, um, both of those guys were convinced early in the season that their pitch mix wasn't correct, that they needed to vary more in order to be more successful. Lynn was a guy who'd always thrown over 90% fastballs. And after the A's roughed him up in a game in April and got eight runs off him, even though he was throwing 97 miles an hour, the coaches were able to convince him he needs to throw more cutters, he needs to throw more breaking balls. Uh, and in the case of Mike Miner, they had to convince him to throw his change up more. And both of those things, again, uh, might not have occurred if it hadn't been for the coaches who are currently there and the manager who is able to communicate these things, even to veteran players like Miner and Lynn. And once the young players see those guys making changes, these are guys who've been in the big leagues for several years, they're certainly uh, not going to be resistant to change. Is this, a, is this kind of a regime, a coaching staff that uh, embraces analytics, and is that something that they use to try and convince these older players? Yeah, and I think everybody does now. Yep. You know, it's, it's a matter of degree at this point and what type of analytics. You know, some of the analytics is what pitches to throw in a certain situation. Some of the analytics are actual physical things, what a pitcher's doing with his arm, where he's holding the ball, yeah. a fraction of an inch difference on the grip. The amount of information they get now off the video uh, is maybe even more important than the information that they get from looking at the trends and, and what happens on three and one and all that kind of stuff. There's so much information now, and I think it's one of the reasons that the game has gotten so much slower is the players have so much information to try and process in between pitches, whether it's the pitcher having more information to help them decide what to throw or the batter having more information to try and figure out what the pitcher's going to throw to him. It's become, you know, maybe it's overload in a lot of cases, but uh, it's it's up to the coaching staff to, to get the information across without causing these guys' heads to explode. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I'd never thought about that for slowing down the time between pitches, that there's so much more information that has to be processed. So I'll dovetail that to another question, kind of an overarching question for you, Eric. I mean, time of the game now obviously is higher than it's ever, you know, it's more than it's ever been, higher than it's ever been. Can you fix this? How do you fix this? Is there you a clock that has with, to? You fix it with a clock. Yeah. Um, and I understand the pitchers don't want to be rushed. I understand they have more information. But people are watching this game for entertainment. People are paying money for entertainment. This is not an accountant who's being told to, to rush an audit that he's doing. These are guys, these are entertainers. They need to learn how to do it faster, even with all the information. The batters need to stay in the box. The pitchers need to have a pitch clock. It's simple. You watch a minor league game, it looks completely different than a major league game in the pace, in the rhythm. Yeah. It absolutely has to happen because well, the, the we're, we're losing fans. Pardon me. The umpires need to enforce it too, right? Because I've seen they need to be told too many to times. They're right. told not to enforce it. Oh, really? Okay. Major League Baseball tells them not to enforce it because they don't want friction between the players and the umpires. I asked this question in spring training when we had a conference call with MLB. How are you going to enforce the players staying in the box? Are you going to have the umpires this year tell them? No. We don't want the players mad at the umpires. How are you going to enforce it? 
Well, we're going to send them warning letters, and then we're going to send them fine letters. Dear Rugnet, on April the 18th, <laughs> the guy makes however many millions of dollars he makes. He's not going to be affected by a fine of a couple of hundred dollars for stepping out of the box, which he does after every pitch. Right. We've got two guys who are among the worst, Mazzara and Odor. We see it every game. Every team has a couple of guys like that. Um, they can't be allowed to do that if baseball is going to have any kind of rhythm. All right, so last weekend the A's played their final game at, uh, at Globe Life Park. The new yard being built just across the way there, Globe Life Field. It's kind of hard for me to differentiate between those two. Yeah, I had we'll, to write we'll, it down we'll a make, couple times. We'll make the mistake. <laughs> Who knows how many times. Uh, what are you going to miss about the old yard? Uh, I know it's still another homestand there, correct? We've before got six the, more home before the end Before the end of the year. And conversely, what, what are you looking forward to with the new yard there? And what can fans look forward to that may make the trip out to Arlington? Well, I'm going to miss the home run porch. Uh, that was when the park opened in 94 it was so classic it was modeled after tiger stadium which was uh, my favorite ballpark and it was a big deal back then when a guy hit a ball into the upper deck in right field now it happens all the time yeah. but back then it was a big deal i remember ben grieve did it twice in one game he was the first guy to do that and we were all just shocked he was like he was superman and the first time a right-handed batter hit one up there to right field into the upper deck up there. It was a great big deal. That's only happened actually a few times over the years. Uh, but that's what I'm going to miss the most, that home run porch. I love the way it looks. I'm also going to miss um, seeing the ballpark lit up at night as I leave the ballpark. There are a lot of carvings on the outside of that ballpark that are really beautiful. And I'll miss seeing that. Even though the ballpark's not coming down, I don't imagine it'll be lit up at night the way it is now. What I won't miss is working in a 90-degree booth <laughs> with hellacious winds. And in the new ballpark, we'll have the retractable roof. We'll have air conditioning. I think the feel of the ballpark is going to be very different. I've been over there twice, and it's being built very much straight up and down, almost like an arena feel to it. So I think it's going to feel more intimate, more cozy, maybe more intense and louder. And overall, there are things that... Um, have been learned about ballpark construction in 25 years. One sure. thing is to have an open concourse. Our ballpark doesn't have that. When someone goes out to go to the bathroom or go to the concession stand, they cannot see the field anywhere. And I think Coors Field was one of the first ones that had open concourses where you could actually see the field while you're working on the concourse. We'll finally have that. And that's something I think the fans are really going to appreciate. So I'm assuming, you, have you gotten a tour of the of the construction site yet? We've been up there twice. We were up there, uh, I think, in February and then again in May. And there was another one that was uh, done a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I wasn't there that week. So I, I didn't I didn't get on the last trip. But um, it's, it's going to be a different feel. For us, it's going to be different. The booth's going to be higher. All the new stadiums move the broadcast booths higher so they can sell where we want to be to some bank for who knows how many millions of dollars. And I get that. That's the economics of baseball. So that's going to be different. That's going to be an adjustment for us. You know, the other new ballparks that we've worked in uh, that have the booths up high, Atlanta and Washington and Pittsburgh, um, it's hard for us. You know, we only do a couple of games there. You know, the guys who work there every day say, you know, you get used to it and you make the adjustments and you do what you have to do, and I'm sure we'll do that. But uh, that's going to be really different for us. Uh, the booth we have now isn't one of the closer ones to the field, but it's significantly closer than it will be in the new ballpark. 
Before we let you go, I, you, so you've been with the Rangers since 1979, is that right? Right. Yeah. So I, I just kind of want to jog your memory. What are some moments for you that stand out? Obviously, there's been a couple of World Series trips, Nolan Ryan's play, I mean, so on and so forth. What are a couple of moments for you that so stand out? So you got two Nolan career? Ryan no-hitters and a 5,000 strikeout of Richie Henderson, Ricky Henderson, which was a, a national event, um, clinching two American League pennants at home, 2010 the first time. Uh, against the Yankees in 2011 against the Tigers, actually playing World Series games there. Uh, we had the All-Star game in 95. Um, those are probably the things that stand out the most. But opening day in 1994 was notable um, because there was a one-hour rain delay before the game, and the crowd fled for cover. And in our old stadium, which was really a minor league stadium, there was no cover. There really were no concourses. There was no place for the crowd to go when it rained. And here we had a one-hour rain delay before the first game ever played in the stadium. And there were 50,000 people under the stands in the concourse, and, like, they all fit. Unbelievable. It, it, was, it was crazy, and we're thinking, oh, man, we have, we've really moved up in the world. But those are the <laughs> things probably that, that stand out the most for me. Also, the very first postseason game the Rangers played in 96. Now, they've been around since 72 and hadn't played a playoff game. 96, they finally won the division, uh, played the Yankees, and the crowd stood for the entire game on Friday night. And then Saturday, we were the lucky ones that had a noon start, and they stood for the entire game. So twice within 24 hours, they stood and screamed on every pitch. And that's a memory that I'll, I'll never forget. To me, that's what really... Um, cemented Dallas-Fort Worth as a legitimate Major League Baseball town. Uh, now a new park. It'll be and fun. Now, now a new park, third <laughs> yeah, one. Third one. Someday I'm going to get out to Arlington and, and see that place for myself. You know, they, each park has moved south of the previous park. So I think the Rangers are actually trying to move to Austin. <laughs> and in a few hundred more ballparks, they'll get there. In a They're thousand just, years yeah, or whatever it is. It. Yeah. Eric exactly. Nadell, thank you so much for the great time, to see you. sir. Yes, you Anytime. too. Have a great call today. Go A's. <laughs> Eric Nadell, uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster with the Texas Rangers. My thanks to him for joining us. All right, up next we continue on right here on A's Cast Live. Ramon Laureano? Ramon Laureano will join us next from Ricky Henderson Field on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Alex Jensen. Halfway through our show today, we've had Eric Nadell, Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Rangers. He even gave us a go A's at the end. How about that? God, I guess you got to pull it for your AL West brethren, right? And he was he was a guest here. That makes sense, too. Uh, Ramon Laureano is going to be coming up shortly. We're going to have Ben Ross. We're going to have the man behind A's cast, Matt Pearl. He'll, he's going to play. He's going to do a little buying or selling with us as well, Matt Pearl is. So I think a lot of people have heard Matt Pearl's name uh, a lot of times on this program, on you know pre or post, anywhere on the a, on A's cast, uh, A's pre, uh, sorry, the A's radio network. You're going to hear from him. Uh, that's coming up at the end of the hour. We're going until 
5.55, and then I'm going to run up to the treehouse. We're going to do uh, A's total access uh, from up there in the treehouse. So hope to see you there if you're here. All right, here we go, A's fans. It's time to pack the town. Single game tickets for the potential A's wild card and American League Division Series home games will go on sale this Wednesday, September 25th at 9 a.m. If you want to jump the line to guarantee the seats you want, become an A's access member. Uh, for a special opportunity to pre-order postseason tickets online beginning on Tuesday, September 24th at 9 a.m. That's September 24th at 9 a.m. Sign up for A's Access. You jump right to the front of the line to guarantee uh, the seats that you want for a, for a potential A's postseason game here at the Coliseum. I've been to those as a fan before. Trust me, there is no atmosphere like the Oakland Coliseum when there's a playoff game going on here. I mean, I remember, let's see, this, I was at the Stephen Vogt walk-off. I was at the Coco Crisp walk-off. Uh, you want to go back to 2000, 2003, game five in 2000. I was here for that one. Trust me, there is no environment like the Oakland Coliseum for the playoffs. So make sure you come out and you can sign up at athletics.com slash access. That's athletics.com slash access. We had Troy Smith, the head of A's marketing on earlier, talking about all the benefits of, uh, of A's access. Remember, you get half off of concession. I think you get, I'm pretty sure you get free parking. Half off concession, free parking. You jump to the front of the line to get the seat that you want uh, for the A's postseason. I mean, there's plenty of reasons to do that right now. Nine games left. First of three tonight against the Rangers. Mike Fires is back out there for the A's. The A's are hoping to get a little bit of a turnaround from, from Fires. Uh, things have not gone his way in the last three starts. Now, the A's wouldn't be in this position they are without Fires tonight or without Fires on the season. It's his bobblehead night, too, by the way. He's got, uh, I think it's the lights out bobblehead from his no-hitter. It's pretty cool. He's celebrating his no-hitter with the lights in the background. Uh, so it's the Mike Fires bobblehead tonight. And it'll be uh, Fires tonight. And then what's the rest of our rotation here, Commander? Uh, Manaya tomorrow, I believe. Man Manaya tomorrow. Sporting a new hairdo, by the way. Yeah, new hairdo. We've got cornrows for Sean Manaya. He's uh, He pitched the last three Sundays. So that streak will come to an end as he pitches on a Saturday. As Tommy likes to lay out all the time, the A's are unbeatable on Tuesdays. They're 19-5 on Tuesdays. Shamanaya doesn't lose on Sunday. Tanner Roark on Sunday as well to finish out the series against two B TBD for the Rangers. He's, he's probably going to be pretty good, TBD. Well, <laughs> actually, Nadell laid it out. He said it was going to be Col uh, Colby Allard, the guy they got in the trade. For I thought it was Burke on, on Saturday. Burke, Burke tomorrow, on Saturday. And I thought Allard pitched yesterday. Oh, he said he was I back. think Allard pitched yesterday. Oh, he said Sunday. Well, if that is the case, then Allard is TBD for now. Uh, we'll see. Maybe they're going to use the opener. I don't know if they're Actually, the Rangers really don't use the opener. Uh, let's gander at the scoreboard real quick, shall we? In Cleveland, the Indians lead the Phillies 4 to nothing in the bottom of the third. The Indians have a runner on first. Smiley is still out there uh, for the Phillies at Progressive Field. And Cleveland right now leads Philadelphia 4 to nothing in Tampa Bay. The Red Sox and the Rays are still scoreless. It is the bottom of the third. There are two outs. There are runners on the corners for the Rays against uh, Rick Porcello. How you doing, Ramon? Ramon Laureano over to join us. And uh, he will um, he'll strap the headset on. You're on A's Cast Live. Ramon Laureano, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So you finally get an off day after 16 straight. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be nice to just kind of relax, take it easy for a day before coming back out to the yard, right? Yeah, I mean, I had an off day, like, that's true. what, out of those 16 days, like six days, I think. Right, <laughs> so, right. yeah, I'm more fresh than all the other guys, so. But, I, I mean, I know what, you're, you're kind of a baseball rat, right? I mean, you're like, you're a big-time student of the game. That's what I've heard about you anyway, right? I mean, uh, I was a JC guy. 
you went to a, you know a smaller school in Oklahoma. I mean, yeah. you've really had to grind your way to get here. But to, to take a day without coming to the yard, just kind of put your feet up a little bit, it's got to be kind of a nice reprieve after flying from city to city and, yeah. and coming out here every single day. Absolutely. You just refresh your body, your mind, and uh, start all over again. And start a pretty good journey from now on. Nine games left, man. I mean, yep. it's got to be a lot of fun coming to the yard, though. I mean, on the flip side of that, it's got to be a lot of fun coming to the yard right now mm -hmm. when you're, you know, I don't know how much you guys kind of scoreboard watch. That's kind of for guys like us to do uh, sitting over here. But every every game is so important. I mean, you, you kind of live to play in games like this, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you dream of playing meaningful games at the end of the year. And, uh, yeah, you just stay locked in every pitch. It's a, it's a headache after the game, but it's fun. Yeah, but that's that. I mean, that's kind of that competitiveness coming out too, right? Where, yeah. like we say, you're, there's so much on the line in every single game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're trying to stay locked in every single pitch, see what the pitcher is doing in some situations, and uh, what what guys are trying to do and stuff like that. And uh, it's 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 fun. I mean, I love it. I love every second of it. Does last year's experience, uh, you know, you guys going through that, basically the same group of guys together, does that help you guys at all this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, the, our chemistry since I got here last year, it's been pretty much. It was pretty, pretty legit over the, at that time, but now it's just through the roof. I mean, we we get so well with each other on and off the field, and uh, we hang out with each other. It's just great. That chemistry too. I mean, that's something you. There's so many numbers flying around, right? I mean, I'm sure you get your your fair share of it as well, all the analytics and, and everything like that. But that's something you can't put a number on in, your, Absolutely, own, in yeah. your own words what does that mean to the success of a ball club uh, it's the number one thing I think uh, it just it just helps uh, it's like we feel like in college again like kind of yeah. kind of like you can put it in those words uh, it's just so close I mean it's just hard to explain it because it's, it, it happens everything so organically you know in the in the clubhouse but uh, it's just really fun right now Explain to me what, what it's been like since May 16th. You guys are 73 and 36. Uh, speaking of numbers, I'm throwing more at you right now. But you guys are 70 and 33. That's the best record in the big leagues. What's been like coming to work every day since from May 16th on? And, you know, conversely, how did you guys kind of write the ship there early in the season? Uh, we didn't start the way we wanted to, but, like, we knew from, we, we, knew we were going to be fine. We, we always believed that. And everybody was running us down right away and stuff, but that's what they do. They just write you down right away after the at the beginning of the season if you're not doing good. I mean, they were taking the Mariners. We're going to win the World Series the <laughs> first week. But look at now. We're I mean, at hey, like scouting reports, they fly pretty quick in all 29 teams. So, like, I don't know what what what, what they were talking about. So <laughs> Those those scouting that, that's that's an interesting uh, – that's an interesting aspect that I think a lot of people don't think about is how quickly the book kind of gets out on you, once, especially once you reach this level. I mean, how, that's got to be a different journey for each guy to go through, like, you know, a month in, two months in, so on and so forth, for you to, the league to adjust to you and then conversely you to adjust to the league. Absolutely. I mean, you just kind of – everybody have different mindset, but uh, what I think is always just I see everything in the long term. I don't see every, anything in, like, this week, you know. Hey, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine in the long term. At the end of the day, we're going to be one of those teams in the playoff. Like, we just knew. I don't know. It just kind of sometimes pisses me off the way they put stuff out there of, like, ah, oh, this thing is not going to be that good. They're, this year they might, you know, have a, a little slump this year and that, like, right away. I'm like, there's no need to put it right away, you know. Like, just trying to not say anything. 
Get still berating me. So. <laughs> You're among friends here, man. This is A's Cast Live. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so how, how so you mentioned that. How do you kind of keep your blinders on when, when you know, you know, maybe in May, guys are saying, oh, you know, the A's, 97 wins, may have been a fluke last year. Here you are, you're, you're, you're close to doing that again. How do you keep your blinders on earlier in the season and, and just make sure you keep coming to work every single day and, like you said, keeping that long-term view? Yeah, I think everybody individually, they just come to the ballpark and work out their whatever they have to do. So when you do that and just focus on us, focus on pitch by pitch, and uh, things will be more fun and you don't have to – when you think about the future, you pan, you – you're pissed off because you don't know if that's you're not confident and then when you think about the past you're pretty pissed off because you you wish you were you can turn the time back and you know go back and fix it but uh, we just focus on the present and uh try to just work on what we have to do and hopefully at the end of the day give our best effort we were talking to the rangers broadcaster eric nadell just a little while ago about kind of the communication from the manager in their in their clubhouse, and we talked about the clubhouse atmosphere. I want to ask you a few more questions about that. But uh, with Bob Melvin, uh, I know when you were when you were out, he kept talking about how you were in his office all the time, trying to find <laughs> trying to find you things to do. But the communication that comes from the manager's office down to the players in during the course of 162, how important is that to a team's success? It's extremely important. I mean, it just it makes everything so much loose in there. Uh, when you come out the field, to get that confidence from from your manager is a uh, it's extremely important, and uh, he gives that same confidence to all 25 guys. I mean, what, 30-something right now. So, yeah, yeah, 30. It's got to be crowded in there, right? Uh, not as last year, but it's, 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 it's good right now. Just about every locker taken up? Yeah, every locker right now, yeah. So so we, we've seen some of the stuff that's gone on in the club. right? I, I mean, I was down there, boy, I think that was back in June. Uh, you guys had the Nerf hoop gone. I know you still got that after after every win, right, with, with the Nerf the Nerf basketball? Yes, yes. Yeah. We do that. I mean, we do that every time we win. If somebody was like the hero of the night. Yeah. Yeah. So player of the game, you get to take yeah. a shot in front of all your buddies that are yeah. giving you grief, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How many people have made it? Ooh, uh, lately, like four people. So we're on fire right now. I think all the, yeah, we're on fire. Pender made it. Uh, I mean, yeah, like four people. Who's the, who's the best at it? The best at it? I don't know because there's not that many guys that have done it multiple times. So you've, you've had to have done Like, what's your percentage, man? Have you made one yet? Oh, I have. I'm like oh for what, two or three maybe. So I, when I was down there, I saw Chapman go underhanded. Is that yeah. is that a is that a viable strategy? Yeah. I'm, nobody had talked about that, but he needs to fix that that form. <laughs> he needs to just go normal, you know, like it's normal shooting. Is that cheating going underhanded? Uh. I don't know. We gotta. <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. It's just too easy like that. He still misses it. He still misses it. But well, it's tough. I mean, you're standing what, 15 feet away or so, maybe, and yeah. it's. I mean, it's a little hoop, right? It is. It is. Yeah. Do you guys practice? Uh, they, all the time. Everybody's 24/7 in the clubhouse. Everybody's just throwing, sh- shooting around from f- 40 feet away. <laughs> It's fun. It's fun. So has anybody made one like when you're just you know yeah. shooting around? Has anyone made one from like across the clubhouse? Yeah, yeah, they have. I think uh, who was they were betting on like, hey, if you do, if you if you sh- shoot this one from this far, uh, you gotta do this and do that. And hey, they made it. It was pretty cool. All right, so you you've got your uh, your your bobblehead coming up uh, here on Sunday. As a kid, uh, whenever coming up through the minor leagues. In college, did you ever think that you'd get a big league bobblehead? I mean, how cool is that? 
not really. I mean, it's pretty cool, but I had not, I never thought about it until you know whenever they they start coming out of it, uh, coming out with that idea. So it was pretty pretty cool. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've, I've seen it. You like it? Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. What do you think of the laser nickname? Uh, it's cool. I mean, whoever I think it was Dallas that put that name out there. Uh, I think it's cool. It matches with whatever I'm doing in the field, on the in the outfield. But uh, it's cool. It's extremely cool. So that, I wanna, that first throw you made in Anaheim, right, from your left center field all the way to first base on the fly, mm-hmm. were you surprised, or did you even pay attention to this? Were you surprised at how much kind of buzz that generated around? I mean, that's kind of one of those highlights you see all the time now, whether people are talking about the A's or just great outfield plays. you surprised at how much that generated, how much buzz that generated? Uh, yeah, I am pretty, yeah, I'm pretty surprised. Uh, <laughs> It's like, you know, I never dream about all this stuff. I just dream about, you know, just focus on my work, you know, and just li- playing hard and leaving everything out there. And uh, But I never thought about none of this stuff going on outside the baseball field. So, But it's extremely cool. It's got to be pretty cool, too, like when in the last series when you got a guy on third and they don't they decide not to test you twice from right field. I mean, that's got to be a pretty good feeling, right? Yeah, it's good. But, uh, I mean, at the moment I don't feel it because I'm so locked in. I'm doing my job. But, uh but yeah, it's cool. It's just respect. I, th- I think Jackie, Jackie Bradley told told one of my friends from the Boston Red Sox, and he he told me to let me know, hey, they're not gonna run on you anymore. So and I'm like, oh no, they will keep going. And after like a week later, nobody after that. I mean, you, you've still got to anticipate it, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You still gotta think about it, think about throwing him out and stuff. But uh, but they less people are going now, so. If we're, and I'll let you go after this one, but if, if we're kind of putting away reality for right now and, and thinking about that long-term picture, what would it mean to you guys to to be able to play a postseason game or multiple postseason get one or the other on this field in front of these fans? It will be great. Hopefully we get this stadium packed, the Mount Davis too. And <laughs> uh, it's going to be extremely fun. Uh, the energy that the, the fans here bring is unique, I believe. Uh, and uh, with what I heard too, it's a pretty unique atmosphere, and uh, they're pretty loud with everything going on here. We got pretty much the, the loudest uh, bleacher session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much, and uh, it's just fun. It's extremely fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope so, man. I've been here as a fan. Let me tell you, there's no atmosphere like this one right here when it's full. Ramon, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks. I know you got to get going. Thank Best of guys. luck today and this weekend, man. And congratulations on the great season and, of course, the bobblehead. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. That is Ramon Laureano, A's outfielder. We'll take a break and continue on next on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Alex Jensen. Live from Ricky Henderson Field, Alex Jensen on A's Cast Live. It's fun kind of getting a peek into uh, the everyday life there in the clubhouse with Ramon Laureano earlier. Talking about shooting Nerf, who I mean, shooting the basketball. We've heard that about, you know, about how they do that after the games. You know, I mean, we've heard that before, but we don't get to hear stuff. That I mean, that's the only, that's the kind of stuff that you're going to get only here on A's Cast Live. Is those guys making bets about who can make the longest shot, other side of the, you know, the other, from the other side of the clubhouse. Sounds like a fun clubhouse to be in, if you ask me. Okay. A's and Rangers coming up in about two hours. Uh, coming up soon, we're going to have Ben Ross from uh, NBC Sports California. You know his work. You've seen him on TV. You've seen him on TV, actually, now, too. 
Um, love to get his take on the Cal Bears as well. They have a big game this weekend. Cal and Ole Miss, they're two-and-a-half-point dogs. How about that? In they're in the top 25 for the first time in a handful of years. Anyway, so we'll talk to Ben about the A's, of course, as well. Uh, Matt Pearl, the, the face of or the uh, the man behind A's cast, will join us as well. The professor. Pardon me. Now a professor at St. Mary's College. Go Bears. Of course. Well, the the, the college is the Gales. I know, but I was tying up with Cal because he's had other third in the top 25. All right. Big game next week against uh, Herm Edwards in the Arizona State Sun Devils. That's the pride, true. The pride of the Italian Stallion, Joey Libatori. The Pac-12, man. It's just it's tough. Pac-12 fans, I feel you out there. I mean, I feel like the Pac-12 basically needed Oregon to win that game against Auburn, which they should have won to have a chance at the college football playoff. But maybe that's another discussion for a three-hour show. Okay, quick scoreboard check. In Tampa, Boston and the Rays remain scoreless. It's the bottom of the fourth. The Rays have a runner on first against Rick Porcello, who's given up three hits, by the way. Charlie Morton is going for the Rays, so that's uh, going to be a tough one for the Red Sox, despite their offense. Uh, on the road. The Red Sox are uh, essentially, not mathematically quite, but essentially out of it. In Cleveland, it's still 4 nothing Indians over the Phillies in the top of the fourth. There are two outs in that one, and there is a runner on first base for for uh, Philadelphia as they try to make the comeback against Shane Bieber. He's a tough customer. Jay Bruce, the former Indian, is at the plate right now. Okay. An article earlier, we get, we're going to have Ben Ross right now. All right, Ben Ross is going to join us right about now. Here on A's Cast Live. A's uh, nine games remaining. The magic number is now eight. Ben Ross of NBC Sports California. Uh, listen, when you look at this race, first of all, go Bears. Go Bears. Big game tomorrow morning. We were just talking about it. So yeah. what are they, two and a half point dogs? Two and a half point dogs at Ole Miss, bright and early, 9 a.m. our time, Pacific time. And you'll be waking up for that, I assume. I will we'll see. It depends how long tonight's game goes at the Coliseum. There's a chance I'll wake up at halftime. But I'll definitely be that's awake true. for the second half. So, that I mean, that's the game that's on right after college game day, right? Yeah, that's that's it. That's like I think that's as early as, as you can get. Isn't watching sports on the West Coast the best? I mean, you wake up Perfect. on Saturday, you got college game day on right away. Uh, you wake up on Sunday, <laughs> you, know, you get to see – you basically you – know, I'm, I'm basically watching Lee Corso put on his yeah. headset from my bed. Yeah. Uh, and then on Sunday, you get the NFL starting at 10. You know, you get the East Coast baseball games. You get to see all the Major League Baseball playoff games no matter what because if you're living on the East Coast, you're not going to stay up until – at least I'm not going to stay no. up until 1 in the morning on a work night to watch my team. I, I've had this debate with my East Coast friends and, and family. It, it's really not even a debate in my mind. As you say, you wake up. There's sports on. It ends at a reasonable time most of the time. Yeah, and we'll, we talk about the East Coast bias in sports, and I think it's true because no one no one stays up to watch the West Coast games. And I can't blame them. They go till 1 or 2 in the morning uh, on a weeknight. But, and then you, you talk about those weekdays. The other great thing is you got the early the, – the game starting at 4 rather than waiting all the way till 7 because of the East Coast. So, yeah, it's not even a debate. West oh, Coast for sports is – by far the best. Think about baseball playoffs. I mean, you get home, you know, if you're working a 9-to-5, you get home from work, you've got the East Coast playoff game, and then you've got the West Coast playoff game right after that. It's perfect. Your whole night's planned out, at least if you're an avid sports watcher like myself. <laughs> exactly. Now, my, you and me both, my schedule very much revolves around the sports schedule. Oh, so that's perfect. Oh, especially now. Okay. Yes. All right, so the A's uh, winners of two out of three against the Royals. It was interesting to listen to some of the sound coming out of the A's clubhouse because I think a lot of people looked at that series on paper. They think, oh, sweep no matter what. But there was a lot of praise for the Royals in the A's clubhouse. I mean, this is a team that maybe is better than their record. 
Well, I'll tell you what, the, the A's were fortunate to come away with two out of three in that series because, you know, they, they did win the last two games, but they were both a little bit dicey there, and I, that would have been bad to lose that series at home to the Royals. I, I do think that they're better than their record shows. I mean, they're a young team, and we're late in the season, and I think they've kind of figured some things out. I mean, look, their pitching staff certainly shut down this A's lineup. I think maybe part of that was the A's were at a very at, at the end of a very long stretch of games finally getting the day off yesterday. Um, so hopefully that gives the, the lineup a chance to sort of regroup and, and we'll see the bats come back to life uh, this weekend. But, yeah, certainly you can't be too disappointed with two out of three. I think they would have liked the sweep, but two out of three is certainly better than some of the alternatives. That's a real thing, right? I mean, playing 16 days in a row. I don't care what you're know what you doing. You don't – doing anything six days in a, 16, 16 days in a row yeah. – you're coming to the ballpark for you know seven or eight hours. You're on your feet. Uh, that can be not just a physical grind, right, but a mental grind. Yeah, I mean, we forget a lot of the time. Look, I, we understand this is a job that most people would love to have, but it is still a job. I mean, it's th- these guys are out here all day and all night. Imagine going to your job 16 days in a oh, row without man. a day off. You're definitely going to wear down a little bit. And, you know, it's not an excuse. It's just a reality that I think – uh, getting that day off yesterday will certainly help them physically and mentally to regroup. Well, especially at a time of year when there's so much riding on every single game. I mean, you're looking at three teams for two spots that are all within two games of each other. Uh, it's not May anymore. I mean, if you lose right. a game, it really means something. And that's kind of the metal grind part of it, right? And then I'm sure it can be nice to just get away from everything, take a day, put your feet up a little bit, and like you said, regroup. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the one good thing about this team, or one of many good things, you know, just talking to Bob Melvin um, maybe an hour or so ago, they are really important games, but this group is still really loose. I mean, you can see it in the clubhouse. You see it out on the field. They're goofing around. They're kicking the soccer ball around. They're playing hacky sack. They got the little mini uh, basketball net going on in, in the clubhouse. So even though these are really critical games, as you said, nine games left, every game essentially is huge it's do or die time but they they stay loose and i think that sort of helps them uh relax when they're at the plate when they're in the field they understand the magnitude of these games but there's no reason to get all stressed out about it i think part of the reason this team has been so good is they're able to stay loose in these big situations mike fires goes tonight and you know he left his last start with the with the arm injury or with the uh, nerve issue i guess in his arm that was uh, against these Texas Rangers down there in Arlington. Uh, but his last three starts been have not been the same as, you know, earlier in the season. Now, the A's would not be at this point without Mike Fires. So it's a big shot in the arm for them to get him back out onto the mound. But have you seen anything different with him over the last three starts, or is that, is that just baseball? I think, you know, that's just baseball. I, I think he was due for maybe a little bit of a rough stretch with how good he was. I mean, what was it, like 22 or 23 straight starts without a loss? Crazy. Talk about consistency. Uh, he was unbelievable. It, look, it's a little concerning because this is obviously the time of year you want to be at your best. So I think this is a big start tonight for him for those reasons, not just – uh, the fact that his last few starts maybe not the greatest, but also the injury. I mean, he. so it, it sounds like he feels fine. The MRI came back clean. He, he did experience a little bit of numbness in his hand after uh, making a pitch, which, interestingly enough, he said that's happened a few times this year and last year. So, But, it, again, the MRI is clean, so that's the good news. But I do think this is a, a big start for him. I think, you know, we're getting close to hopefully the playoffs, 
and this is when you want to be feeling your best. So I think everybody is hoping he goes out there tonight and we kind of see the Mike Fires that we saw for most of this season, uh, himself included. We saw Homer Bailey on the mound uh, in the last game of the Royals series on Wednesday, and I did some digging here, Ben, and he's given up. He's given up 32 runs in his uh, in his time with the A's. Half of them have come in two starts. Yeah. Outside of those two Houston starts, and the he, Cubs, right? he's six and zero with a two three four ERA. I mean, this has been an under the radar acquisition, and especially since that second poor start against the Cubs. I think in his last seven starts, I looked this up. He he has an ERA under two. So basically, after he, I think he gave up like seven runs to the Cubs at Wrigley Field. Since then, he's been tremendous. And yeah, I don't think anyone could have expected him to be this good. Look, we we know. You know, he had a rough year last year, a really rough year. Started to show signs in Kansas City this this season that maybe he was getting back on track. But, yeah, I don't think the A's could have even imagined he'd be this good. And, you know, he's worked his way into the rotation if they do make the playoffs. A series, to me, he looks like their number two or three starter right now. So, I mean, he's been impressive, and he's been really important, I think, to the A's success over these last few weeks. Well, it's amazing how much one pitch can kind of change you, right? I mean, I, when the A's acquired him, I remember David Forst uh, saying something about we, we recognize something with his split-finger fastball, right. that if he starts throwing that a little bit more, he's throwing it a lot for the A's to become a really important. We saw it for the first time really in that start at Oracle Park in San yep. Francisco, and like you said, since then he's been a different guy. Guys can't touch that pitch. I mean, He's striking out a lot of hitters, and most of them are on that splitter. It, you know, it, guys are, it looks like the fastball, and it, it just kind of disappears. It, it goes into the ground, and he's making some good hitters look really bad with that pitch. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a coincidence that when we saw that pitch really take off, that's when his performance really started to get good. The bullpen the last two days, eight combined shutout innings. But one guy in particular stood out to me, and that's Joaquin Soria. He took 10 days off. I think his stuff has looked a lot more crisp uh, since taking that time in those two games against the Royals, two perfect innings with four strikeouts combined. What would a healthy, effective Soria mean to this bullpen heading into a potential wild card game or a potential playoff series? That's actually what I'm planning to write about tomorrow morning is how good uh, Soria has looked. So hopefully he pitches well tonight um, if, he, if he does come into the game. But, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I talked to him about that. He feels, he feels rested. He feels healthy after, you know, he had that minor issue and, uh, that caused him to miss the 10 games. But if they could get him to the level that they were hoping he would be when they signed him, look, he's had a great career and there's a reason they brought him in i think two years 15 million dollars is not cheap for a reliever for a setup man yeah if he can get back to the level that that they expected that would do wonders for this bullpen because hendrix has been great lazardo and puckers are looking really good since they've come up and joined the pen uh adding chris bassett to the bullpen i think will also help but if you get soria there to pitch the seventh or eighth inning and, and i'm leaving out Yusmero petit all of a sudden the bullpen Maybe goes from a weakness for a lot of this year to a strength, which is what we expected based on what we saw last season. I know uh, Bob Melvin has kind of alluded to uh, using this piggyback strategy more down the stretch. In your mind, Ben, what are the benefits of, of using that strategy? And, you know, on the flip side, are, are there any, you know, is there anything that could be possibly detrimental to the club of using that strategy? It's an interesting question. I, you know, what I think it is is they're just using the the players they have, the pitchers they have. They have a, all of a sudden they have a lot of depth in the starting rotation. Yeah. You know, they've got they had six they were going with a six man rotation 
and that doesn't even include guys like Lazardo and Puck, who will eventually be starters beginning next year. So I think it's it's sort of using your personnel to their strengths, and so far it's I think it's been great. I mean, Liz, I love the plan of, of using a, a Lazardo for three innings out of the bullpen. This stuff is amazing. It's electric, yeah. it, guys, and especially since guys haven't seen him before. You talk about a potential wild card game, bringing him in in the sixth or seventh inning to throw a few innings. That's a huge weapon that uh, it kind of reminds me of, you know, what we've seen with like an Andrew Miller back when he was in Cleveland. Even last year, Josh Hader, I think the Brewers used him sort of that way. I like it, especially when you have guys like Lazardo and Puck, whose stuff is just filthy. Well, he showed a lot in that game, that final game in Texas, too. When he got in trouble, bases yeah. loaded, nobody out. And he, I mean, he looked like a 10-year vet out there getting out of that jam, adding and subtracting with his breaking ball, you know, having the presence of mind to go away from his fastball, go to the off-speed. I mean, that, that was really impressive. I think that's what impressed the A's and, and Bob Melvin and, and really everybody the most. I mean, the stuff sure is great, but, yeah, that, that mental fortitude and mental toughness. He's only 21 years old. The guy's a kid, uh, yet he is not phased by anything. And so I think it was, it was a great – it was great to see that for the A's, that that he could get into a jam like that and they didn't have to go bail him out. He got out of his own mess, as you said. He went to the off-speed stuff. That slider made made people look silly. Um, he, I think he has it all, the, the stuff, but also the mental component to truly be a star in this league. Marcus Simeon, I mean, you, you can't really say any more about what he's meant to, to this club because I think it's been, uh, you know, I think everyone on this program, on this net, you know, on A's cast, has has told you exactly what they think of Marcus Simeon, and you can see watching this team every single day what he means to this club. But in your own words, Ben, where would the A's be without this dude? I'll tell you, they wouldn't be in the playoff race. I don't think. I mean, he is going to finish in the top five, maybe the top three in the AL MVP voting, and deservedly so. Obviously, Mike Trout, I think, is the front runner. And that dude's just, <laughs> he's an otherworldly talent. But you take out Mike Trout, there's a very real argument to be made that Marcus MVP is the, Marcus Simeon is the MVP of the American League. He does everything. I mean, he's literally played every game. He leads off. You know, he's over 30 home runs, I think 87 RBIs. The, the on-base percentage is terrific. He's, I think he's in like the top 10 in just about every major stat in the American League, offensively. And then that doesn't even talk about his defense, where he's become one of the best defensive shortstops in all of baseball. So, yeah, he, I mean, you, you look at what he does. His game doesn't have a weakness at this point. And yeah. I just feel like he, you know, there's a lot of guys you could point to on this A's team and say, where would we be without him and, and make an MVP case for them. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, but I think most people would probably point towards Marcus Simeon just because of his consistency. He's done it all year long. It goes on and on. You can say Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Mark yep. Canna. Yep. Uh, there, there's a, you know, Ramon Laureano, Laureano for what he did in the middle of the year. Yep. You know, there's a whole list of guys. But to your point with Marcus Simeon, that old saying, right, your best ability is your availability. He's been out there every single day. Not only that, but another underrated part about what Marcus Simeon's done this year is the leadoff spot for the A's in the last handful of years has been a little bit of a revolving door, right, right. since Coco Crisp left, really. Right. And Marcus Simeon has produced there. I mean, he's the perfect, you know, you don't even want to call him a table setter because he's got over 30 home runs. <laughs> right. Nice but table setter. having that presence at the top of the lineup and having a guy you know is going to be in that spot every single day, I mean, that makes Bob Melvin's job a whole lot easier. I think the thing he's really improved in his offensive game this year is his 
uh, discipline at the plate and his pitch selection. He leads the team in walks. He, he's a guy who never used to really walk that much, and all of a sudden he's added that to the to to his game. And like you say, I mean, he can be that table setter. Sure, he can be the the table cleaner as well with all those home runs. But I mean, sometimes when you're the leadoff man, it is important to see some pitches and just get on base any way you can. And he's proven to be able to do that as well. So. Yeah, he can he can affect a game in just so many different ways. It's incredible. Sean Murphy is really exploded. You know, speaking to we just talked about Lazardo. Sean yeah. Murphy has really exploded on the scene here, and and he's starting a majority of the games now behind the dish for the yeah. A's. What are your impressions of him? I've been really impressed by him for the for kind of the same reason that I think everyone's been Im- impressed by Lazardo. He just seems mature beyond his years. He doesn't seem. You know, he's poised. The moment doesn't seem too big for him, both behind the plate and when he's at the plate. And, uh, you know, I, I, he was a, obviously a really highly regarded prospect. I think we all expected at some point that this guy was going to be this team's catcher and a really good one. I just don't know if people thought it would happen this year, especially because he missed a lot of this year uh, down in AAA with injuries. So his power has come such a long way. And all of a sudden he's – an amazing power hitting threat. He hits home runs. He hits for average. Uh, defensively, that's always been his strength. Is behind the plate. He's got a, a cannon for an arm. Really good uh, as far as framing and and just agility behind the plate, blocking balls. So, yeah, I I don't think the A's expected him to be making this type of impact this quickly. But again, it, it speaks to it speaks to him and it speaks to the player development team that all these guys are doing this. Indians or Rays, which one scares you more? Man, that's a tough question. I I think they both present challenges. I, the biggest thing to me is have that game at home. I think if the A's can can lock up home field for the wild card game, I like their chances. I guess I'd maybe I'd rather face the Indians just a little bit, but those teams are so similar to me. I, I just if I'm the A's, I just want that game at home. Hey, you gotta get play. there first, right? right? I mean that's part of it. Just gotta keep winning. This, listen, the road lays out for the A's decently. They've got the Rangers, the Angels, and the Mariners. But this is baseball. Yeah, you, know? you never know. you got to play the games, and sometimes it's the teams that are out of the race that are a little more dangerous this yeah. time of year. Play spoiler, no pressure, nothing to lose. Uh, but the A's have so far done a good job of just handling their business, and they just have to continue to do it, hopefully lock up not just a wild card berth, but as I said, home field. Love to see that game here at the Coliseum. Well, judging on what we've heard from the A's clubhouse, I don't think they'll have any problems staying loose. That much is for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's ben, true. Ben Ross, thanks for the time, man. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. I guess we'll see you out here. Uh, well, I'll see you in the press box later on, but we'll see you <laughs> out here tomorrow. It's a lot of fun coming to the yard every day right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, oh, it's great. Thank you for having me on. I Absolutely. appreciate it. Ben yep. Ross of NBC Sports California. Always love having him join. Matt Pearl is standing uh, nearby, and before he comes on over, Matt Pearl, by the way, his official title, he is the f- he is the man behind A's Cast, this guy. He's also the professor. He's a professor at St. Mary's College. Anyone listening to A's Cast knows my affinity for St. Mary's College. His official title, Director of Performance Marketing and Broadcasting for the Oakland Athletics. He is Matt Pearl. He is with us here on A's Cast. Now, how is, this, how is it possible this is your first uh, foray on air on A's Cast Live. I'm a TV producer, man. I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I got, I like being behind the scenes more so than uh, in front of them. It's like my, my nature at this point. It's just weird to hear my own voice in, a, in, in the headset too. It's not something I normally do. I think it sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative. It's, uh, 
It's nice to be here. It's nice to, to see the fruits of the labor every day when we're down here with you guys. So this being our, our final show here at Ricky Henderson Field for the regular season, we'll take a little temperature of A's cast. We'll kind of maybe go into the past. But first of all, how much fun is it to come to the yard every day and, and just, you know, I mean, it should be a great uh, weekend for the crowds here. We've got a ball rolling over here if you want a baseball. Uh, should be a great weekend for the crowds uh, and, you know, the energy here at the ballpark. But how much fun is it to come to work every single day in the middle of a pennant race? I mean, it's uh, you pinch yourself every time you work for a baseball club or, or any professional sports organization, period. Um, the opportunity to kind of be around um, the folks that make this happen that you don't get to see every day is what makes it, makes it exciting for me, um, whether that's, you know, the folks in the broadcasting team or the marketing team or talent brought you know everyone everyone behind the scenes that executes and delivers this product um, and then to see the excitement on the fans faces as we get ready for even more meaningful baseball is really special uh, for me it's uh, you know walking into an empty stadium in, in February when this thing's getting set up to where we are now is pretty special getting the dirt off the field from the monster trucks monster trucks yeah. and, uh, <laughs> all kinds of bikes and there's all kinds of things happening and then all of a sudden here we are place is full people wearing green and gold everyone's everyone's rooted it's it's a special time so take me back to the birth of A's cast here. Now, there was, there was, there was a good article um, that came out a couple days ago, and I have it up on my browser here, and I'll get you the exact, uh, the exact outlet here. But you said this was born out of necessity, yep. that, that people wanted a place to come and find the A's. How did this particular idea come about, and how was it put into action? Well, I mean, it started with our leadership, candidly, like, like many things do. When you have Dave Cavill, Chris Giles, and, and kind of uh, the, the folks that really push the envelope. I know one of your earlier guests, Troy Smith, as well. It's, it's amazing when you have a culture of trying to um, disrupt in a way that, that addresses your fan needs. Um, we heard from our fans that they weren't getting what they wanted, right? So you, you start with this re, you know, reality that people across Northern California and beyond really were thirsting for more A's content. Um, and as we went through the exercise of really figuring out how we were going to deliver that, it became clear that consumers were listening to this product in a way that they just weren't, uh, the, the outlets that were able that we were able to access were not delivering that same amount of content anymore. Um, and we made a determination to really do our research and due diligence and looking into radio stations, looking into uh, you know streaming products, looking into podcasts only. And the more I dug and the more my team dug, um, the more that uh, our leadership understood the, the possibilities um, and outlets, it became very clear that this was a, a possibility. And starting a 24-7 station was a little scary, but here we are, and it's, uh, it's been pretty amazing. Well, it, it's, it, by the way, the article is, uh, I've retweeted it. It's on Barrett Sports Media, How A's Cast Made Oakland the Digital Gym of Major League Baseball by Jack Ferris. That, that's a bit much, by the way. Just let's be clear. I don't clear. know, man. I mean, we're, we're, they've named it, uh, a handful of other teams here. We're trying to duplicate what, yep. what we're doing here in Oakland. Yep. That's got to be flattering. No, no. I mean, imitation is the highest form of flattery. I love what they did. I, I mean, I love the progress we've made. I love all of it. That being said, the digital gem of Major League <laughs> Baseball is quite a, uh, a highfalutin title. Uh, I agree. It went a little too far there. But, hey, it was a nice piece. Dude, it was a great piece. I'm super happy that we uh, – that the people behind it got got uh, you know the love to to Chris uh, Giles to Chris Townsend to Dave Cavill like the people who made this thing happen and, and uh, it was special. Well, and there's some eye popping numbers in there as well. I mean, yep. five hundred thousand individual downloads, yep. uh, a fifteen hundred percent increase uh, in in listenership over the last twelve months. Yep. What do those numbers mean to you? Well, what was amazing, and I think Dave uh, 
they've really suggested this was going to happen, but there was there's this streaming product that allows you to kind of access, as our listeners know, uh, on their on, on essentially what we determine is our calendar on this 24/7 stream. We knew there was going to be some usage and some downloads and, and kind of the uh, the access of the actual uh, stream during that time. What people have started to do much more so is this time shifting where they're not available between the hours of 4 and 6 or they're not available between the hours of 9 and 10. Uh, what we've done with this product is make it available, obviously, for people in and outside the market on an on-demand platform. So what we can study is obviously the listenership that's coming down the line um, on the stream in the mornings and the afternoons. But more specifically, we can look at the download and the hours and the length of download and all the different permutations um, that are driving on-demand behavior. Because people want to take it with them. They want to go on a run. They want to, um, you know, be on, when they're out without Wi-Fi, they want to be able to access this content and listen to what the A's are doing. And uh, we're trying to create programming that aligns to them, too. It's not just, hey, let's put something out there. It's let's put, put something out there that they actually want. And we, we think we're being reactive to our fan base, but we still have a lot of learning to do. So I guess would it, would it be accurate to say that your goals for this year, just based on this one fact alone, your goals for this year have been met and possibly exceeded based on the fact that the content on A's cast is now the number one most downloaded content in, in Major League Baseball from an audio on, on a podcast platform? It's, I mean, I can't say we've successfully done anything without the fans saying they like this, they want more of this, they, they're coming. That's the only kind of binary signal that we have that it's working and I don't mean to sound too fancy about it but essentially like if we are putting out content and they aren't listening then it's not working yeah what this is is driven out of the need and the uh, the demand of our of our fan base and again not to like harp on it but Chris and Dave are doing this on everything we do from the the seats that we have in the building to A's access, A's access yeah. to the experience you have at the concession stand it's all about listening to the fan base what do you need? What do you want? What are some of the things that we could do more of? So we heard from fans, like, this is during the season. So we started with, you know, with what Townie was doing. We started with Cody. We brought all these people in. And then we heard, you guys aren't doing enough about the minor leagues. And it was like, all right, well, how do we address that? Well, we went and got, uh, you know, our, our folks who were already covering the minors, Bill Moriarty and Ace, uh, Ace Farm, and said, hey, let's make this work. Let's get some content from you guys about what's happening in Midland. Let's get what's content from what's happening in Stockton. And... All it is, all that we're doing is just listening to the feedback. So, you know, for the folks on Twitter who are asking about A's cast, for the folks who are on, you know, Facebook who are calling my desk, whatever it might be, we're, we love to hear it. We want to hear it. It's what's driving the growth of this, of this network. What are the plans for the offseason with A's cast? Uh, we're going to send you to Switzerland. We're going to send. I get to go to Switzerland? Townie to Australia. No, sorry. <laughs> um, no, so the, the plan is, is, is a couple of different. Um, two different levels to it one is we'll continue our live programming monday through friday um the the frequency of how often we're still trying to work through that you will have ace cast live during the day you'll have the ability to to repeat it um again so people can access that and that'll be a hub to listen to what our fans and our players are um are doing in the off season uh and then on top of that we're actually going to roll out some pretty cool content that we're working on now that's a little bit more long form about our players and some of the stories um and lastly i think there'll be more uh more of an inside peek behind what's happening in the ace front office which is something that like we've always wanted to do is kind of pull back that that curtain and really show how decisions get made everything from you know how do we determine what, what the bobblehead is this year to uh to what's happening on the promo schedule when one of the firework games going to be etc cetera, etc cetera. so 
a lot of content ahead. Um, we're, we're an open book. Like, give us suggestions. We just had Ramon Laureano a couple minutes ago, and he was telling us about all the different Nerf hoop games they play in the club. I mean, you're getting unrivaled uh, access to everything about the Oakland A's, probably anywhere, you know, amongst anywhere within the MLB. At the, the, I love that you said that, too. It's, it's a testament to what our PR staff has done yeah. to and the trust that they put in A's cast and Townie and, and Cody and these guys and yourself. They trust us that we're going to take care of them. They're going to have some fun out here. They're going to tell us about their experience. That's their space in there. You know, that clubhouse is their space, and they've been welcome and receptive to letting us come in, and, uh, and that's been really special. Any goals for specific goals for next year? Anything you got? Or is it more just making sure you're giving the fans, as you alluded to, making sure you're giving the fans what they want, continuing to take in feedback and, I, and plowing your roads that way? Sure. I mean, I think the biggest uh, the biggest win that we had this year was understanding the afternoon drive right we, we knew that there was an opportunity for us to be out here on the field during an afternoon drive scenario when people are in their cars what do we do in morning drive morning drive is that is that unknown and, and figuring that out is going to be uh, a challenge both you know staffing and, and all and, and growth but we'll see what comes next it's, it's uh it's gonna be fun it's exciting. Ready to play some buying or selling? That's what I hear we're doing. Let's do it. We, we got it's about time three for minutes. Buy All right. It's the track. I love selling. it. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Where's Townie? Yeah. Well, we're actually supposed to change you open to it's buying or selling with Commander Cody. I just, I've, I've been too lazy to change it. <laughs> Standard. I'll be so, on your PPR report. The Yankees made history last night. Aaron Boone won his 200 game as manager of the New York Yankees. He's the first manager ever won 200 games in his first two years as, well, as I said, a manager. The Yankees won the AL East for the first time since 2012, and they've used 53 different players and have had 30 different guys placed on the IL. Buying or selling, I'll go to you first, Professor. Aaron <laughs> Boone will be the greatest Yankees manager of all time. False. That is, that is uh, selling, 100% selling. I'm not sure your construct here. That's a sell because uh, there's, there's so much history. There's 27 championships. Now 28, I don't even know what it is. He's not there yet. Maybe someday. I agree, selling. He hasn't been to, I mean, he's only, this is only his second year on the job. He hasn't yet been to a World Series, which in, in Yankee land is grounds for yeah. Sia. Uh, he's following, let's see, he's following Joe Torre. And, and, and Joe Girardi. Plenty, and Joe Girardi. And plenty oh, yeah. of the other greats. Who won a World Series, though? Girardi won a World Series. There's, yeah. They've got, listen, I, I'm selling. Sold. Hard sell. Okay, well, we'll end it with this one. Jacob DeGrom is on the hill tonight as the Mets are facing the Reds. I told you what the series, Suarez and Alonzo, trying to be the first guys to ever have 50 home runs hit in the same series like in the, on the season. DeGrom was 11 strikeouts away from 250. He'd be the first Mets pitcher since Doc Gooden to have back-to-back 250 strikeout seasons. Now, DeGrom has been incredible this year. He is 9-8 with a 2.61 ERA on the season. Buying or selling, Jacob DeGrom will win his second straight NL Cy Young title. I'll buy that. I'll buy it. Back-to-back 250 strikeout seasons. Are you kidding me? What's I mean, let's be honest, right? What's his What's his competition? Scherzer, if he was You've healthy. You've got Scherzer, yeah. but he's been, I mean, Ryu. since he came back, right? Ryu has, has had his struggles of late. I think uh, I think Jacob deGrom is the most complete pitcher in the National League. He's got the NL Cy Young. I'm buying. I'm buying. Right. I wish we had more time, but Alex kept going about Everything's Listen, the right. people need to know what the plans are for A's Cast here. When we, when we, when we get the the, the man, the man behind A's Cast on on a headset, we need to take the temperature of what's going on. All right, so we got a minute, so let's wrap it up, so we don't, I don't get a text about sloppy outs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I told you I started. I'm a TV producer at heart. I know my times. Well, I can get out quick if you want to do one more. 
No. Okay, all right, all right, fair enough. Matt, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks Appreciate for doing all the work you guys have done this year. It's pretty amazing. Thank Great. you, Pearl. Shout out to Townie, too. Shout out to Townie. If he's listening, thank he, you, Townie. He's, he's, not, he's not listening. No. All right, great show today. We're getting ready for game one between the A's and the Rangers here at the Coliseum. It is Mike Fires bobblehead night. Tomorrow night we've got fireworks, and on Sunday, Ramon Laureano bobblehead. Troy Smith stopped by, Eric Nadell, Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Rangers. Uh, ben Ross, of course, of NBC Sports California. Ramon Laureano joined us as well. And the uh, man behind, the professor, the man behind A's cast, Matt Pearl. Uh, thanks for joining us as well. A's cast live will be back at 4 p.m. on Monday. Until then, You'll get the radio broadcast coming up next here on A's Cast. I'm Alex Jensen. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.